going to dismiss the platform. I want to share something with you. I felt in the prayer room before service. And uh, I just, I wonder, you know, we spend a lot of time of our week outside of, of this building. A lot. I mean, if you were going to talk about percentages and the time, the percent of time that we spend in here, Versus the time that we spend out of here. This is what? Maybe 1% of your week. But I want to make sure, and myself, I want to make sure that this is not a prop for my week. If I'm not careful, I'll tell you what I mean by that. If I'm not careful, I can just say, well, I yeah, I worship God and I, I go to church and I, uh, I love the Lord and all that. And uh, this is the time that proves it, the, time, the Sunday from 11 to 12 or 1 is the time that proves that I worship God and I live for Him. And if that is the prop that proves it, well, I'll just tell you, I felt the Lord caution. I can, he said, I can, I can remove a prop pretty easily. Anything that, that would be the thing that lifts us up to stand on or show or prove or anything that's not really rooted in a relationship with him. And he says, I can remove a prop. He says, in fact, I have removed some props and it's revealing some things about people, people's lives and where they're at. I just wanted to share that with you. I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt anybody, and I, you know, I don't even feel that towards any specific individual, but I know that the Lord is sharing that, and he's saying, you know, he, is, he should be our foundation. He should be our solid foundation on which we stand. And if we stand on anything else that's not him, any, like the Bible says, anything that can be shaken will be shaken, and it will prove that. Amen. I'm going to dismiss our children to their classes and their, and their teachers. We appreciate them very much. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give Bishop an opportunity to speak to you all. Oh, sisters. Come back to the front. So, sports. You have heard a term in sports. MVP. What does MVP stand for? Most valuable player. So there's another term. I was never called a most valuable anything. But I think they called me one time most improved. That was kind of to make you feel good that you were doing better now than when you started. Most improved. And I, I think maybe I was playing ice hockey and they, uh, I had learned back east on a pond of ice in New Jersey. And then now I was playing right down here in Yakima. 
where they have boards, completely different. They would slam you into the boards, and I learned early. Anyhow, I, I, I thought I was pretty good back in New Jersey until I got on this team in Yakima down at the uh, skating rink. Wow, those guys skated like they walked. They were like ducks. I mean, they just, man, they could do anything on their skates. Hockey skates. Not like figure skates with a point on them. Anyhow, I guess I must have improved immensely that year because they, I think they called me the most improved. Not the most valuable, most improved. I want to say something to you too. I've known you a long time. You were a lot shorter. Matter of fact, you were just young little girls when I met you. And let me tell you what I remember about you. I remember you were mad about something. You were mad, you were unhappy. And it showed on your face. Hardly ever even talked to you. Now when I look at you, when you're standing in here and you're worshiping God, I feel the love of God from you because what you have is so genuine, so real. I want to give you something. This is a plaque. This is one of the most improved players. And I want to thank you for becoming who you've become. Okay? Now, I know that you're not all in charge of all of that, but you have yielded to God through the years. It has brought such a change over who you are. Most of these people don't know because they, don't, they didn't. Now your mother knows. But most of them don't know because they didn't know you when you were young. You've come through life, and you've come out shining. God bless you. Now, your turn. I remember standing in your living room in the house, the trailer house, next to the church. You wouldn't give me the time of day. Your brother, a little bit. Okay? But... You were in your own world, and you were, it was almost like you didn't care about anybody around you. This is my perspective, okay? You, too, you were going through a season in your life. And when I, when I look at you today, I think, this, this, how could this even be the same person? I know it is the same person, but you're not even an older version of the child that you were. You have become so new in who you are. And what I appreciate about you is it is so genuine. It's so real. Okay, so here's your plaque. Most improved player. God bless you. you if you've got classes you've got to go to now, you can go. You're excused. And now I'll come down here. A little more informal. I want to read a uh, scripture to you. Do you want me to take a little bit of time here? 
Okay. I was in another service this morning, earlier, if you can imagine. And, uh, wow, there was just a deep stirring of not just the Holy Ghost, but some emotions. And uh, nothing wrong with that. We're emotional beings. We're spiritual beings. Sometimes we play down the emotional part. Yet it is such a real part of who we are. And so don't dismiss it. Don't trade off one for the other. Don't discount it. Nothing evil about it. Nothing wrong with it. It's our makeup. It's what we are. Okay? Abraham. Anybody remember the name? Abraham. What do you think of when I say the name Abraham? Father Abraham with no kids. The... uh, Probably the most significant thing about Abraham was a promise given to him from God when he was 75 years old that God would make of him a father of many nations and that his wife Sarah would be a mother. Now, he's 75 years old. And Sarah's womb is barren. So the circumstances surrounding the promise don't even support the promise. And so as time affects us all, time passed, and in the back of Abraham's mind and Sarah's mind, there's this lingering promise. You know, when time passes, and even when you have received a promise of promise from God, you believe it was Him that gave it to you, but when time continues to go on, it's human to begin to question. You question whether or not it was God that promised it to you. You question that maybe you got it wrong from Him, Or you begin to question who you are. In other words, is is God able? I mean, or or you know, God knows everything about me. Why would He even promise that? Why would He promise? After all, and then you have your list that you go down, and then sometimes we even disqualify ourselves, okay? Now, they hadn't disqualified themselves, but they did begin to question the manner that the promise was to come, and they, under their own direction and effort, tried to sustain God's promise. Through Hagar, they had Ishmael. And that was not the promise of God. That wasn't the answer. That wasn't the fulfillment. Okay. But at 75 years old was when the promise was spoken. I'll tell you what I've learned about God over the years. And that is there are times when God speaks something. And if he speaks it, it's going to happen. 
But there may be a season, most likely, and it might be longer than a week or a month. Sometimes it's not the case, but it could be a year or two or ten or twenty. I was speaking at a meeting in Maryland about a year ago, and it all just came flooding back to me that God began to show me at times in my life where he had spoke things to me about my future, but but in several of those situations, it was 15 years. Some of them, it was 20 years. 20 years. I'll tell you one, just one. I was dating my girlfriend, whose name was Delia. She would eventually become my wife. But we were just dating. I was visiting the church there where she attended. It was in Puyallup. And I was standing down at the front, and a voice said to me, you will come here and pastor. Well, I wasn't even in the ministry. I was barely in the church, about a year and a half, okay? And so I just dismissed that voice. I thought, that's weird, and I dismissed it. Fifteen years later, my family and I were in a a rented truck moving from Sunnyside to Puyallup where I was becoming the pastor. And the Lord brought that back to me. And I'll just I'll give you just another small example. Okay, so so the, the evidence played out that what God said 15 years prior was going to happen and it happened. I didn't do anything to achieve it, to make it happen. It was just an acknowledgement of when it happened, a timing thing. Um, I was a young boy sitting in my grandmother's church. This lady laid hands on me and prophesied to me about what I would be involved in in the future, standing before great crowds of people, blah, blah, blah. It was 20 years later, I was in Tacoma, Washington, standing on a platform, leading a youth convention of a 1,000 people. I never gave it thought. From a child, I completely dismissed it. I thought, what was that lady saying to me? But yet, 20 years later, here I am, and God brings that back to my remembrance. Okay? Now, I want to read to you out of Genesis, the 21st chapter, verse 1. This is 25 years later when God had gave a promise to Abraham. Verse 1, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. It happened. And it happened exactly when... The set time was that God had spoken. Now, he had spoken it, you know, not just last week. It was 25 years earlier that he had spoken it. You'll see these patterns in Scripture that should help us to know and to teach us that this is how God functions and that we will see things in our own lives. 
It will come to pass, but usually there's a window or a season of time before the fulfillment of that promise. What if I say the name Joseph to you? Who is Joseph? Joseph was one of the sons of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. That very baby that we just read about being born. And so generations down the line, we, if, we, if we read about the life of Joseph, we, we know that God has spoken to Joseph about his future. He even began to share with his brothers and his parents about it. Wow, that didn't make matters better. It made them worse. They were already jealous of the attention their father gave to him. And it made it worse that they sought how they might get rid of them. And they did. There are times when it appears as though it has been made allowable that humanity is, can obstruct the plan and purpose of God. It's only an appearance. It's not going to happen. It, because of time and what looks like a lack of evidence, it looks like at times humanity can get in the way and, uh, and obstruct what God has said he's going to do. And so Joseph, uh, he gets sold off from his, by his brothers. And then, the, you know, from there he gets... Uh, or first he gets thrown in a pit, and then he gets sold off to Midianites passing by, and then he gets traded off somehow, and he's working for uh, Potiphar, I think, captain of the guard, and, and then circumstances arise, and he ends up in jail, in prison. And he's in prison a long time. Now, time has a way of eroding for us our faith in sometimes what we know God has told us and promised us. I don't know how Joseph dealt with over the years because it wasn't just one, two, three, four, I think as many as 17 years. And it just didn't look like that it was even possible anymore that God could bring to pass the promises that he had made to Joseph. There was an event that uh, took place where a, uh, a butler and a, what was the other guy, the cook? Baker. The baker and the butler, they got thrown in prison. They, you know, they had uh, upset Pharaoh. They got thrown into the, down in the cells. And it was there where Joseph interpreted their future, dreams that they had and, and interpreted their future. And one was going to lose his life, and the other one was going to restore it to his job. And as they were let out, he said, when you get restored to the, to the king, Pharaoh, king, Pharaoh, tell him about me. Tell him I'm down here. I'm wrong. You can imagine all the things that would be said. Joseph said, tell him. Because he's trying to get out of somewhere that he feels like he doesn't belong. 
I'm in a circumstance. I'm in a situation. I don't belong here. And destiny's been pronounced over my life. And so, out of a human effort, he's trying to change the circumstances. Well, the butler gets restored back to his position. And, uh, I don't know, maybe Joseph got up in the morning and, you know, got everything ready and sat on his... Probably didn't have a... And waited. Huh. He probably just really got busy today and he forgot, you know. And so he went to bed that night and got up the next day and, you know, got things ready and ready to go. And, and day in and day out and day in and time was passing again. What, do you, what, do you, what does a man begin to think in a time like that when, when he even engaged in the effort to try to change the situation and one more time it's taken out of his control fully? Not for one year, but for two more years. You know, there are times when something so gets a hold of us and possesses us and fills our mind. Sometimes enough time has to pass that we completely let go. We find a place of contentment in the fact that we're alive. We're still breathing. We can hope for a future. I'm talking about beyond this world. But there are times when we have to just let things go. I don't know what the the two years was except that what, what what God was going to involve Joseph in didn't just affect Joseph. It affected many more people. And there were circumstances out and around that he was working through. And he was just keeping Joseph in a safe place. Until that morning when somebody came and, I don't think you knock on a cell. But somebody came and said, Joe, get up. Clean up. Clean yourself up. Shave. Get dressed. The Pharaoh has requested an audience with you. And within, I suspect, a day or two, maybe 48 hours, Joseph's whole world was completely rearranged. And he was put in a place that not only would set for preservation of his own family, but for people of the community, people of the the nation. And so God had place and purpose in all of that and brought that change. The writer of Genesis said that God did unto Sarah at the set time.
I believe in any size audience of believers that there are individuals who know in their heart whether they have spoke it in a while or not that they have heard from the Lord but that God has gave them promises and indicators for the go forward and you hold on and you wait and you wait and as time passes it's easy for us to question and wonder. There was one more. Let me tell it. Hagar. Even though Ishmael was not the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham, God gave Abraham other promises concerning Ishmael because he was his son he promised I think he said 13 nations would come out of the seed of Ishmael but there was a squabbling that took place between Ishmael and now the born son Isaac, and so there was a problem between Hagar and Sarah, and so the Lord gave peace to Abraham and said, you know, Hagar's, or uh, Sarah's appealing, send her away, send her away. And God gives Abraham peace with it and says, listen to your wife. Hagar, here's a bottle of water. Here's some rations. I need you to go. Go where? She looks out into the nowhere. Well, anywhere, anywhere would hear. And so Hagar and Ishmael go out into the wilderness, probably headed towards Ellensburg. And pretty soon the water was gone. The food was gone. And the child begins to cry. And the Bible says, Hagar took Ishmael, the child, and placed it under a bush, a bowshot distance away, because she could not stand to hear the cry of the child. Now listen. Ishmael was the child of God's promise to Abraham. Not, not the first promise, but these other promises. That he said he'll take care of him. He'll make nations of him. He'll have a future. Hagar was an abitu- a, a Whoops. I hope she wasn't that. <laughs> Hagar was an Egyptian bondmaid. Slave girl. Did you record that? No. Slip of the tongue. <laughs> My daughter won't even survive this. Okay, back to it. Now, let's not lose this here. Let's not lose this. We can have fun. That child, God has promised to sustain the child. 
Hagar doesn't have that. She has separated herself from the child. If, if, she's gotta, if God's got to feed that child with ravens, he can do it. He will do it. But she has nothing. <coughs> I think it was an angel that visited Hagar and said, God has heard the cry of the child. Didn't say that God heard your cry, Hagar. But because of the promises that were made for this child, the angel of God visited her and said, God has heard the cry of the child. And this is what she, the angel said to her. Arise and pick up the child. When she did, when she reconnected what I feel like is symbolic with the promises given, when she reconnected and embraced again, again, time passes, and what do we do? We distance ourselves from promises. We quit, you know, it used to be we talked about them. We shared it with others to tell them all about it, and then we stopped talking about them, and then we distance ourselves from them, and because now we question, we don't even know if it was God or not, or whether we heard from God or not, because too much time has passed, and that's the effects often with time on us. But when she picked up the child, the Bible says her eyes were opened and there was a pool of water. So there was the sustaining power of God operating the minute she reached back and took a hold of the child, which was given promise. And sometimes this is how it plays, it plays out between us and God. It becomes of necessity that we need to go back to the promises given. Take a hold of them and embrace them and wait for the go forward which God has promised. Why don't you stand with me? Something very unique happened this morning. Um, in the other service. That it became spiritually apparent. That somebody was at the door. Of the fulfillment of the promise. I, I don't know that I have ever been a part of where the Lord was revealing. I spoke this back here and there was a set time for it to be fulfilled and then for the Lord to come forward and say, you're right at the door of what I had said back there. The fulfillment of those promises, they are right here, they are just ahead and you are at the door. Could you uh, go ahead and
play and sing. I'd like for us just to wait on the Lord here for a minute. open I'm encouraging you seek the Lord let him talk to you let him refresh some things to you Lord, I agree. 
The scripture says that the promises of God are yea and amen. That's two steps. Two, two different steps. Yea is the telling of the promise. Here's what it is. The revealing of it. Amen is the fulfilling of it. It's the agreement, the agreement of the promise. 
and then he sets it in his time and his will and he fulfills it you know i heard one uh i heard one preacher say even in this context of 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 church when when the word of god goes forth that's a semblance of a promise because it's the yay i'm telling you this is what god says that's the yay and then it needs an amen that's my part in this context that's my part i agree with that thing i lay hold on it i claim it i accept it i embrace it that's agreement with it amen if you want to know what's something that I can do in the kingdom of God, what's something I can do in this church, what's something I can do for God, start there with an amen with, with your spirit. I'm, I'm agreeing with that. I'm agreeing that I'm laying hold. I'm, I'm accepting of that. Because you know what happens? God doesn't put any one of us completely in, in isolation and in solitude and says, okay, that's you. You figure it out from now on. You're on your own. He puts us in places. This is what the scripture says, and I know you've heard this. He sets members in the body as it pleases him. He puts you and me in places where that word of God can always be refreshed renewed given and then given again and then given again and in my my spirit when there's an amen it's just the acknowledging and the belief the faith of it of of the word of god Can we pray, Jesus? Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for all the promises that you've given. Jesus, we thank you for the direction. Jesus, we thank you for the ordering of our steps. We thank you, God, for the revealing of promises in their time. Jesus, for the fulfillment, for the fruition in the fullness of time. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for it. I thank you for it, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, would you just thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for His goodness. Thank the Lord for His love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank the Lord. Amen. I'm encouraging you today. Hold to the promises. Hold to them. I was 13 years old and I was standing in a church service like this. And there was missionary uh, Steve Willoughby. I know Bishop, my wife know him, some of you know him as well. And uh, I was just standing down on the front, on this side in that building. And uh, all of a sudden, I mean, he draped over me. I was only 13 and he's a, he was a tall, tall man. And he draped over me and he just started speaking promises about what God was going to do in my life. And all I knew was smile and nod, smile and nod. And then I don't know how many times since then that the Lord has brought that back to me. I mean, I wish I could tell you word for word because I know it was powerful and awesome things, but it was almost overwhelming in its nature and its sense of the speaking of promises over a life. But I knew, okay, I, I'm trying my best to, to just be willing to accept this. He didn't say, you know, if you get this right and if you do that, if you remember this, and it was just, this is what God's going to do. This is what God's going to do. And then, it, and then all that it requires is an element of faith, like what we've heard today. Trusting and walking in it, leaning on it, holding to it. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we thank you. Hallelujah. You're the giver of life, Lord, and you're the giver of every breath that we take Jesus, you're the one that fulfills your word. You're the one, God, that leads and, and fulfills and brings the answer, Jesus, in your time, in due season. I thank you for it, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Some of you have promises that have not been fulfilled yet. This is a reminder, this is a refresher for us to know, believe, and hold to that, walk in it. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Why don't you greet one another? And thank